Welcome to episode 248 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, AKA it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration and electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right. You can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get your free electrolytes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 248 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? Well, I am fabulous. It is January 2nd, and I was late putting up my Christmas decorations this year, so I took them down earlier than usual. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I've been stressing about the proper time to take them down. I was going to take them down today. Well, it's, you know, I follow the, you know, like, take them down to the 12 days of Christmas kind of a thing, you know, and so therefore, like, January 5th would be the official or sixth, depending on what you count as day one. I don't know. But right around January 5th or 6th. Wait, I thought the 12 days of Christmas ended on Christmas. No, that's when it begins. 
What? I thought, are you sure? Yeah, there's a season in the Christian faith called Epiphany. That's the name of the season. If you look up Epiphany. I will say, listeners, I feel good. I typed in, when are the? It is the fourth search. People are wondering. (laughs) Do you want to know what the first three are? What do you mean? The first three what? What people are searching for when they search for when are the college football playoffs, Winter Olympics, Grammys, 12 Days of Christmas. (laughs) Love it. Then the Oscars. Whoa. What? Mind blown. I always thought the 12 Days of Christmas ended on Christmas. Yeah. See? Jen knows her stuff about stuff. (laughs) So officially, I always keep it up till later, but I've got so much going on this week. And yesterday, I was like, I'll just take down a few things and leave up the trees. And then I was like in such a role, and I was already all dirty from taking, you know, dusty stuff and whatever. And then I'm like, I'm just doing it. So I did it. So my house is unchristmased, whatever. (laughs) Unchristmased. That's a hard word to say. I feel so much better now. I was stressing about like, because this is my first time having my own tree. And I was like, when do I take it down? Okay. I thought I was like late. No, I was just early and was a little sad. But like I said, I was on a roll. So I did it. And here we are, 2022, officially our first time talking in the new year. I know. A question for you. I asked you this before, but You sent me a Christmas tree that is in a pot. What do you think will happen if I keep it in the pot? Will it overtake the container? And what I was asking you before is they say that goldfish, and I don't know if this is true because I just briefly Googled it and I think it might not be true, but I'd always heard that goldfish grow to the size of their container. So that's why like when you have a goldfish at home, it's small, but if the goldfish in ponds are big. Yeah, I don't know the answer to either of those questions because I am the last person to ask about how to keep a plant alive. So (laughs) Chad does all keeping plants alive and I keep, you know, other things alive like children and cats. (laughs) He keeps plants alive. Here's what I always do. I keep it in the pot until it dies and then I throw it away. Now, when I was a teacher, one year Chad gave me this beautiful orchid on the first day of school and... I kept it in my classroom, and it was beautiful, and then it died. And there was another teacher at my school who saves things. Wait, you know about orchids? Well, I don't know anything about orchids, but I know that my friend was like, I can save that. So I gave it to her instead of throwing it away. Fun fact, because Jen and I have the same agent. So I sent all the people that I worked with there, so the main agent and then two assistants who's they're actually agents now. I sent them an orchid plant, three of them. It was so perfect. They came in three different colors. So I was like, they can pick whatever color they want. Are you ready? So the orchid blooms once a year. It quote dies, but it comes back. So it might not have been dead. Well, I gave it to her. Normally I just would throw them away. (laughs) And then I felt bad. Here's my, my whole rationalizing this. I felt bad. I'm like, this plant died. And then I had to throw it away. And that's like a waste of a good plant. Then I'm like, wait a minute. Anytime we cut flowers, someone sends you cut flowers, they die and you throw them away. So, And it probably wasn't even dead. I don't know. Hopefully she revived it. The thing is, I had never realized this. So I put everywhere, like in the note, I explained this because I didn't want them to like think it died because they were dyed. Brittle looking. Well, the flowers were dyed, D-Y, dyed colors. And it said that it would die. <laughs> 
And then it would come back, but it would be its normal orchid color. So then I sent them a follow-up email and I was like, maybe this is common knowledge, but just FYI about those orchids. No, no. When I think an orchid is dead, it's not that the flower falls off. It's that the entire stem is now brown. And, and twiggy looking. That's what I called it. It's dead now. Not just because the flowers fell off. I mean, I do know if it's still green just because the flower fell off, that doesn't mean it's dead. But once the stem would get twiggy, and actually, I do know my friend did save it. When I said I hope she saved it, she did. She told me she did. So Speaking of plants, this is actually so perfect, unplanned. I interviewed Farmer Lee Jones last week. His book is beautiful. Oh my goodness, Jen. So up until this point, so I've had, you know, over a hundred something guests on the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. Up until this point, everybody's been really incredible, really amazing. A lot of people are really passionate. But when I'd interviewed Wim Hof, he was just like another level of passion. Like everybody was like at this kind of hit this glass ceiling of passion. And then he was like just light years ahead. Farmer Lee Jones is on the Wim Hof spectrum of passion. Like he was like, yelling at the microphone. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like, he was incredible. I have never felt so inspired to um, support regenerative agriculture and bring back nutrient density and revive our soil and like take charge of our health through growing better food. This man is incredible. He's <laughs> so amazing. So for listeners, when that episode comes out, definitely check it out. He's like... The entire time I was just smiling. Like I was watching myself. I was watching myself having the interview and I was just smiling. Can you imagine if everybody had that type of energy, what type of world we would live in? Oh, I know. So it was amazing. That's great. Oh, I'm actually finally listening to Why We Get Sick. Oh, oh, Dr. Gregor. No, no, Benjamin Bickman. Oh, that's how not to die. <laughs> you had Benjamin Bickman on your podcast, right? Yeah, yes. Oh, I love Doc. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. Spoiler alert, insulin. <laughs> but it like is everything I already thought and he's saying it. I mean, I haven't gotten all the way in, but so far the the beginning talking about hyperinsulinemia and <sighs> I remember when I was doing all that and I was like, Jen, read this book. It's basically like the insulin manifesto. It really, really is. And what inspired me to go ahead and get it is someone in my community said that it was available included through Audible Plus, their new Audible Plus catalog, where you don't have to use a credit for it. You just can listen. I haven't used that yet. What, Audible Plus? Mm -mm. I've always like just had Audible and didn't ever like join it. I just had it, you know, as my, as my audiobook library, and I would just buy a book. I didn't buy very many. But now I'm driving to the beach and back. Sorry to interrupt. So this is different than, because I have like a membership with credits. This is the Plus membership. They have a new membership level, the Audible Plus. And this book is on it? And, and you still get a credit, but you also have like more things that you can listen to that are included that don't take credits. And this is one of them. I mean, it's got good stuff in there. It's not just like, you know, stuff you don't want to listen to that you can listen to for free. No, I mean, it's stuff you do want to listen to and it's <laughs> included in the, and you don't have to use a credit. So it's just. That finally got me to pull the trigger on getting Audible as a membership, especially now that I'm driving to the beach so much and in the sauna I can listen. So I'm like finally listening to some things. I'm obsessed with Audible. Actually, for listeners, because right now, as of the time of recording, I'm not sure if they're still sponsoring the show. We were actually 
booked on inventory, but I'm so passionate about them that <laughs> I might see if I can keep them in. So if we do have a code for them right now, because this airs in January, I'll put it in the show notes. We probably do. They do sponsor IF Stories. I just read an ad for them today, but yeah. So there probably is still an offer at the link, listeners. If you go to audible.com slash IF Podcast or text IF Podcast to 500-500. Well, I'm glad, Jen, that you are on the Audible train with me now. Audible's like my life. It's funny. As an author, of course, as soon as our books come out, you find like a typo, right? <laughs> You're like, oh, they're like, I was just looking through cleanish and they've already been printed. And of course, by this time they come out, everybody will have them already because we're past the, the date that it'll be released when this podcast releases. But as soon as I got my copy of the final version, I look, there's some kind of weird typo in one of the reflect and take action sections. And it's clearly just an extra character got inserted because it's like not a not a letter of the alphabet, like in the middle of a word, like an and or something. I don't know. In the middle of the word, someone just like leaned on their typewriter I'm, or I don't know, what or their keyboard. I mean, and I'm like, well, there's one right there. But <laughs> that was not in the original document. But typos get in there all throughout the way. But I was listening to Why We Get Sick Today, and an entire paragraph was repeated. Like, I swear, I just heard that exact in the audiobook. Yes. That's funny. It was exactly, it was in there twice. So I'm like, you know, I don't care how many people are part of the process, things happen. So makes you feel better when you see them other places because you want your work to be perfect, but perfection is an illusion. Yeah. And I told you this before on the show, but when my narrator recorded my audiobook, she did find an error in mind, but she said every single book she's ever recorded has always had an error. Yeah. Yeah. Also, one of the websites that I mentioned as a resource no longer exists. And I hate that because it existed all the way through. And even when we checked it and all the way through all the final, and then all of a sudden it's not there anymore. I'm like, great. (laughs) So people will be like, I can't find that website. Like I'm just waiting for the emails to start. Yes, it doesn't exist anymore. Sorry. Because it's, you know, the internet is a living thing and it changes. Hi, friends. One of my favorite foods for gut health, skin, cravings, energy, and immunity is definitely bone broth. I and so many of my listeners love bone broth, but it can also be intimidating because it can be hard to find a bone broth that is all natural, organic, free of preservatives, and especially no salt added. Of course, you can always make your own, which I love, but that can be a little bit of a cumbersome process. That's why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty and the Broth. They make it so, so easy to bring bone broth into your life because they ship it in concentrated form in shelf-stable packets. It's easy to store, doesn't take up space. You don't have to worry about keeping it frozen. And then when you reconstitute it with water, you can customize it exactly to your tastes. It is incredible. Beauty and the Broth makes delicious bone broth from vegetarian-fed, free-range chicken bones and USDA organic, grass-fed, ranch-raised beef. The meat and bones come from certified humane and USDA organic farms, no antibiotics, no hormones. They also use organic vegetables and powerful herbs that are so delicious. 
all without any added salt or sodium. A lot of the broths on the market are also kettle or pressure cooked, which breaks down ingredient nutrients and reduces their integrity and potency. Beauty in the Broth doesn't do that. They let all of those amazing ingredients slowly simmer for up to 24 hours to create a broth that is super high in naturally occurring collagen and nutrients. Your gut will thank you, I promise. We often get questions about the best way to open your eating window. This is an incredible way to do that. Especially when you're in the fasted state, your gut is super ready to absorb these nutrients and bone broth contains the specific nutrients needed to heal your gut, help with leaky gut, support digestion, and so much more. And when it's cold in the winter months, what tastes better than a warm cup of bone broth? You will notice it in your nails, in your gut health, in your hair, in your improved recovery, increased energy. And did I mention it's so convenient and so easy to use. They've also got a vegan mushroom broth, which is super rich in umami and delicious for all of you vegans out there. And you can get 15% off site-wide. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash broth and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get 15% off site-wide. That's melanieavalon.com slash broth with the coupon code melanieavalon for 15% off site-wide. Friends, if you've been wanting to get on the bone broth train, this is the way to do it. Definitely check it out and we'll put all this information in the show notes. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yep, let's get started. All right. So to start things off, we have a very long question. So it's from Carrie. Carrie, I cut down your question a lot, but it has a lot of good stuff in it and a lot of good questions and a lot of stuff to discuss. So I thought we could just tackle it. So this question comes from Carrie. The subject is seeking patient and answers my saga and road to IF. And Carrie says, Hey, Melanie and Jen, I'm 46 and I started IFing two and a half months ago to lose weight. I haven't lost a pound yet, nor an inch. Clothes still fit the same too but I do love the convenience of it and the way I feel while I am fasting, energy, clarity, productivity. I clean fast. I was pretty sure drinking black coffee and giving up my coffee mate would cause certain death and it still hasn't. I haven't read any of your books, but I did just start What When Wine this week. I chose that one because my story is very similar to Melanie's. So I went with that one first in hopes of finding help. In May, 2013, I had my appendix out. A couple weeks later, I got a sinus infection and they put me on, I'm thinking it's an antibiotic, which wrecked my gut bad. I was also nursing our third kid. The doctor said I should do the brat diet, which is bananas, rice, applesauce, and toast. A week or two later, I got a positive C. diff test, more antibiotics. It worked. The C. diff was gone. And eventually I felt like myself again. Over a year later, I was training for another half marathon and doing daily HIIT for training. I was tracking calories and my fitness pal, and I never want to do that again. I lost 15 pounds, which was the rest of my baby weight, and I was very happy. But while the weight was coming off, other things were starting. Anxiety, panic attacks, brain fog, and hives. If I bumped my arm or leg on an edge of the counter or something that scratched it, I would end up with hives. In hindsight, I think all the training and running exacerbated gut problems from all the antibiotics, but I have no proof. By the end of the summer, I had gained 40 pounds. In spring, 2016, a chiropractor who does kinesiology put me on herbs for a liver parasite and liver virus. I added essential oils and that helped not needing Zyrtec. In 2017, she says she started a, it's a name brand weight loss drink thing. (laughs) She says, eventually the brain fog and anxiety cleared and I lost 15 pounds, but I plateaued and quit those. In 2019, I gained the 15 pounds back, even though I ate very healthy 80 to 90% of the time. June 2020, a natural 
naturopathic practitioner put me on some remedies from Europe to support my organs. My once very poor digestion has improved, but it still has its poor moments. I did a parasite detox remedy and a heavy metal detox. I had my fillings replaced. Believe it or not, I had tiny pieces of metal coming out of my skin. I would be skeptical if I hadn't lived it. All of my traditional blood tests are always normal. A few elimination diets, food tests, which change every time. My thyroid appears fine. Now I'm contemplating a SIBO test. It's like throwing noodles against the wall and waiting for something to stick. There's a reason I'm going through this. I just haven't discovered it yet. I did start that weight loss drink company thing again a couple months ago because it worked the first time until it didn't. Now it's almost 2022 and I still have the 40 pounds. If not for your podcast, I'm sure I'd have jumped ship by now, but you two keep me afloat in this sea of confusion. I fast a minimum of 16 hours, sometimes up to 20 to 21. I eat later in the day so I can eat with the family at night. IF works for me in all the ways except the one that outward shows every day in my clothes size, clothes comfort, self-esteem, etc. I have three active kids and I cannot keep up with them at this size. I'm 5'4 and I currently weigh 175 pounds on a small frame. I spend so much time researching and going down rabbit holes. For exercise, I love walking and yoga. I don't do it regularly because it's not helping. I used to focus on 10,000 steps a day, but I've lost my motivation and discipline. One of the reasons I can't lose weight is also probably because I'm stressed. I also love wine and beer, beer for socializing, and I'm very good at it. I do try to get organic wines. I'm anxious to get to that part of the book that discusses it. I admittedly drink too much alcohol. It's how I deal with stress. I drink nearly a gallon of water daily. A couple of random things to share. I started serapeptase a while back, not for anything specific, but to see if something happened I wouldn't have thought of. The verdict is still out on that. I did the Zoe program. While interesting, the foods still require tracking and I really don't want to track anything. And maybe I misunderstood the program, but healthy foods were what was encouraged and less healthy were not. It seemed geared towards plant-based and I'm not plant-based. I was born to eat meat as well. That actually is the point of Zoe is teaching you what is healthy for your body. So they're going to give those higher scores. That's that's the point. They are encouraging you to eat what will help your microbiome be healthy. They don't want you to eliminate plants, though. They're not like, don't eat any meat. And so we're also not trying to get a score of a 100. See, I think that's where a lot of people get confused when they do Zoe because they're not trying to teach you you know, only eat these foods that give your body a hundred, a score of a hundred, and don't eat anything else. It's it's wanting you to live in the real world by encouraging you to emphasize certain foods and de-emphasize other ones, if that makes sense. I'm very, very impressed with their support. Yeah. You're connected with somebody who can like answer your questions. And I've been drilling them on some of the questions I have about some of the foods in the app. And they've been very good at getting me really detailed answers. I do agree that I think it's, I mean, it is very plant-based. I do think some of it, I think, is a little bit off with the the meat and the seafood, just as far as some of the things that it recommends. But in general, the concept that it's addressing is processing fats versus glucose, like carbs, and that effect. And then the the foods have to do with effects they've seen on the gut microbiome. And I, I think it's a really helpful app. And it's really interesting seeing 
feedback, especially in my Facebook group. Like some people are like, this is a, you know, a game changer. This completely, you know, helped me break through a plateau and I feel better. Some people, it kind of tells them what they feel like they already knew. And then some people, especially people I think who are more low carb, parts of it don't quite resonate, but either way, regardless, the information that you get with the CGM and the gut microbiome test, like there's a lot to learn there. So it's really cool. I'll put a link in the show notes. I interviewed Tim Spector, the founder. So that was a really, really cool conversation. Oh, and I'm talking to him when this comes out. What is this comes out on the 17th? I'm talking to him on the 19th. We're doing a webinar in my community. We've never actually talked, even though he wrote the foreword to Cleanish. We've never actually talked. So we're going to do a webinar only available for members of the Delay Don't Deny community. Go to jenstevens.com slash community. You still have time to get there, but the replay will be there in the community as well. That's the only place it'll be available. But they're very gut-focused, so that is why they're encouraging what, you know, the foods that will feed your gut really, really well. Exactly. Since we're talking about little pieces as we go, I want to say briefly about the serapeptase. So that's the supplement that we've been talking about for a while on this show. And I finally developed my own, which is very exciting. And it's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. And when you take it in the fasted state, it actually goes into your bloodstream and it breaks down potentially problematic proteins. So things that your body might be reacting to, it can help address. So inflammation, allergies, it can clear your sinuses, things on the back burner that you might not quite notice, but you would need to be on it long-term to possibly see a difference in your blood work would be things like it can break down fatty deposits and it may reduce cholesterol. It just has a myriad of potential benefits, wound healing. It's really interesting to see because so many people in my audience have been getting it. And some people go to it with a very specific goal, like I want to clear my sinuses. And people have really been seeing that. Some people are more like Carrie, where they're not quite sure what they're taking it for. But I just know for me personally, I think it has a very just general synergistic helpful effect on the body, sort of like fasting does in a way. So if you'd like to get your own, it's at avalonx.us. All right. Well, if we're going back, I have one more thing that I highlighted that was farther back. The part about alcohol, and she said, I admittedly drink too much alcohol, period, and it's how she deals with stress. I'm going to just come right out and say, you know, Melanie and I have a different recommendation when it comes to, you know, how much alcohol might support weight loss or affect it negatively. And I think a lot of it is your own bio-individuality, but for me, Alcohol stalled when I was trying to lose weight, absolutely stalled my weight loss. Like the period of time when I was trying to get to my goal weight, I didn't have alcohol for about 10 weeks at all. And I really, you know, focused on eating real foods. I didn't count fat grams. I didn't count carbs. I didn't count calories. I just didn't eat ultra processed foods. I didn't drink alcohol. I lost two pounds a week. My body did so much better. You know, over the holidays, yes, I'm still drinking dry farm wines. Yes, I I love it, but it, my body doesn't feel its best, even if I drink too much dry farm wine. So to feel my best, I'm better with zero alcohol. Am I going to be alcohol-free for the rest of my life? No. But if I wanted to lose weight and I knew I was, you know, if I actually said the sentence, I admittedly drink too much alcohol, period, I would really start there. And if you're like worried, like, oh my gosh, I can't stop drinking alcohol. I just can't. How am I going to have fun? Well, that's really when you need to start looking at how much you're drinking. And that's where I would recommend the book, This Naked Mind 
Annie Grace is the author. And I read it and I was like, wow, because I always have this, you know, like you said, beers for socializing. I was like that too. I was like, you know, if I get together with my college friends, we're going to be drinking. That's what we do. We always have. And so the first time we got together, I was having a month where I wasn't drinking at all. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to tell them until we get there. So I was like, they're going to be like, I'm not even coming or whatever. And then they got there and I'm like, I'm not drinking. Surprise. And they're like, oh, okay, that's weird, but that's fine. So I was the designated driver. I had just as much fun. I socialized great and I felt great the next day. So I just really want you to, like I said, This Naked Mind, consider that book. It really will make you think about your alcohol consumption, even if you, like me, decide you're not going to be alcohol free. But If you feel like you're drinking too much, I would not hesitate to read this immediately. Sorry, I had to pop that in there. No, no, no. And I'm really excited for her to get to my section on the book on alcohol. And I agree. I think it's super context dependent on two things. Before that, I think there is something different between having what a person would consider minimal or moderate alcohol and trying to lose weight by adjusting it compared to knowing that you're probably over drinking and wanting to lose weight. Like that's two different situations in my head. As far as like the context, I think, you know, people can be very different in how they metabolize alcohol. And then also I think the context of the diet that you're having it with is huge. So like, for example, it sounds like, like for Jen, it sounds like for you, you would rather, you know, cut out the alcohol that's an extreme approach to the alcohol compared to a more extreme approach to the food. Well, for me, I learned through, you know, the DNA testing that my body metabolizes alcohol slowly. You know, some people metabolize caffeine slowly. I don't. But my body does metabolize alcohol slowly. So my liver has to work on the alcohol. Like, you know, we had that breathalyzer that would test your ketones. I actually was using that for a long time, like, I don't know, about a year ago. And when I, or a little before a year ago, when I would drink, it would vastly affect the amount of ketones I would produce the next day to the point, like, it would take me a while to get it. Like, my liver was busy processing alcohol for a long time, is what I'm saying. And so it really affected my body. If I want to lose fat, my liver needs to not be busy processing alcohol. Yeah. And I guess what I meant about the food context is, so I don't want to use Carrie as an example because she's admitted that she does think she overdrinks, but for another person who is moderately drinking and not losing weight. So one option might be cutting out the alcohol completely and seeing what happens. Or another option might be keeping in the alcohol and adjusting the food more. And either of those situations could potentially lead to progress. Yeah, absolutely. But putting them together, one, two, I think would also very likely supercharge it for almost anybody. I just really feel that way. That's the thing I actually don't know. I know, but I I do want people to try it just to see if they think. I don't know. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I'm not actually, and I talk about this a lot in What When Wine, so people can check that out if they'd like to learn more. But um, I think some people might lose more if they're really intense on the food, but still having alcohol just because of some of the ways that alcohol does affect metabolism and its thermogenic effect and its effect on insulin, especially like wine, potentially its effect on insulin, its effect on 
like a few different things. I think some people, if let's say that the diet is controlled and it's a certain type of controlled diet, be it macros, whole foods, whatever it is, some people might lose more actually having wine with it. And some people, and I'm saying wine, but some people might not. And I think probably a lot of it has to do with whether you're a good alcohol metabolizer or not. You know, I've just seen my effects over time, knowing how I feel, also having that feedback from the the breathalyzer showing how it really affected how long it took me to get into ketosis versus when I didn't have it. I mean, that's huge for me. So it would just be something I would always recommend as a tool in the toolbox for somebody. And I will say, if you are drinking wine specifically, drink dry farm wines. Oh, 100%. So I went out on New Year's and we went two different places. And the first place I went, I was able to get a wine that I had looked up the winery. Like I'm pretty sure it probably wasn't as low alcohol as dry farm wines or as low sugar. But like I felt like I can tell now when I drink a wine at a restaurant that's, you know, not from dry farm wines, I can pretty much tell if it's approaching the dry farm wine spectrum. And so that one was, and I was like, okay, I'm good. But then we went to another bar and I got the only organic one I could find. But now I can just so tell how high in alcohol and sugar a lot of wines are. I wasn't hungover or anything, but I had like a tiny, tiny little headache. And I was like, oh my goodness, I got to stay with my dry, my dry farm wines. So if listeners would like to get dry farm wines, they can go to dryfarmwines.com slash podcast. And they can get a bottle for a penny there. And I do have a question for listeners. I was brainstorming actually on New Year's Eve with one of my friends. Let me know, would you be interested in, I'm contemplating developing an app that would, I know there's so many wines in the world, but like it would tell you, you would look up wines and it would tell you if they're organic or sustainable or biodynamic. Like that would just be so helpful for me personally when I'm out at restaurants. Let me know if that would be something of interest. For people, I think it would be of interest, but there really are so many different wines. Wines that I don't know how you would compile that because, you know, some are produced in small amounts. And here's what I do I always stick to if I'm out, I I try to get something from France. (laughs) That's my metric, you know. France, if it's made in France, it's more like, you know, smaller kind of a thing. Yeah. No, actually, so my people, if they want to know my protocol, I look at the wine list. I don't even look at U.S. I don't No, not at a restaurant. I look at the European ones and then I Google the winery. And this is why I want to make this app. I Google the winery and you'd be really surprised how many of them actually are implementing organic practices. The thing that Dry Farm Wines goes one step beyond is they test the wines on top of that to make sure they are organic and free of pesticides and free of mold. But then they also test the alcohol and the sugar content, which when you're drinking low sugar, low alcohol wines, just, it's just such a massive difference. But yeah, the reason I'm thinking it's doable is the Vivino app I love and you scan bottles with it and it comes up with the bottle and people write reviews and it has all the information and it has almost every wine that I scan ever. So it's possible to do Let me know, listeners, if that would be something of interest. Back to Carrie. She says, I feel like my body is not my own. Even after all these years of battling the things, I have not grown accustomed to it. I feel like I am battling it all the time, but I do not know why. I cannot figure out what is wrong, and that is hard for me because I am a fixer. And then what's interesting is Carrie sent us this whole email, and she didn't 
mention what she's eating, which is something I actually want to talk about. I emailed her to ask what she's eating. And she said, I eat meat, seafood, eggs, lots of veggies, salads with homemade vinaigrette, feta or Parmesan and toasted walnuts or pecans, a variety of fruits, fats, butter, avocado, olive oil, occasional cheese, processed foods, like tortilla chips, occasional candy, especially when the kids share Halloween candy, taco shells, occasional desserts, basmati rice a few times a month, I rarely eat bread, and when I do, it's usually Ezekiel, no milk, sometimes a tiny bowl of ice cream, but again, once a month, a little sour cream. We do not eat out a ton because we're busy with the kids and work. I'm not perfect with my diet, partly because I know it's not sustainable, and if I try and fail, I will just say nope, and I want to circle back to this. (laughs) She says, so I try to make the best choices as often as I can. Sometimes I have the cupcake the kids didn't take to Boy Scouts. So I guess my questions for you are, here we go. Number one, podcast listening. I love it, but should I continue working my way through it? Cause she had started at the beginning or start with the most current and go backwards. I'm about three years behind right now. I thought this was a really great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked us this before. No, I don't think so either. Jen, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I feel like I might would start with the most current and go backwards. I mean, when we started, like so many things have changed. Like, for example, remember when we first, like the first year we got that question about CBD oil and we're like, we think that might be illegal. Don't do that. I mean, <laughs> and now it's like there's a CBD store on every block, right? I was just thinking about that. I was ordering some more feels and I was like, wow, things have come so far. Because we were like, I don't know. It's, it's against the law. Probably don't don't use that. Times have changed so much. So probably listening to the early ones might even be like a hilarious. I don't know. I probably suggest doing... So the way I handle podcasts is... So I listen to the new ones as they're coming out. And then I like... Well, it depends on what type of show it is. But then I usually go back and find the episodes that look intriguing and listen to them. But yeah, you could binge listen. I mean, a lot of people tell us that. A lot of people write in and say that they're starting at the beginning. I'd be really curious to know how many people, you know, like in general, our listeners, our new listeners, how they approach it. Like, do they go back? That's a good question. I would definitely listen to the new ones as they come out. And also intermittent fasting stories. If people are not listening to that one yet, that's one that I think people, and the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. So I would be more likely to listen to recent of all of them versus going deep dive way back in the archives, unless you're really looking for something to listen to. And then that would be, tell us the funniest thing you heard from episode two or whatever. (laughs) No, anyway, I'm just, I think we would probably cringe at some of the things we might've said early on. Yeah. And it's such a different format. Like the biohacking podcast would definitely be one. It doesn't, it's not sequential. Yeah. It's like episodic. So any- Same with I have stories. You would basically just go on the topics that you wanted to listen to. This one, it's, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of the same topic, but um, yeah, it's a good question. So number two is two and a half months with zero results, a thing. And all the questions I've heard, no one else asked about going this long with no weight loss. I keep listening, thinking someday someone will ask all the same questions and the clouds will part, the angels will sing, and I'll know what to do. So two and a half months with zero results. 
All right, so here is a place where intermittent fasting stories can come to the rescue. There are two specific, I mean, lots of episodes, you know, lots and lots of episodes out there, but two that really stand out for me as episodes for going a long time with no weight loss. One of the most recent ones that I did, it's still been a while, episode 125, Roxy. If you just go to any, like Google and type in intermittent fasting stories, Roxy, It'll help you find Roxy's episode. But Roxy, you know, started intermittent fasting. She was feeling great. She was rolling along, losing no weight at all. Then she went back to her doctor and had like a recheck. She had been diagnosed with fatty liver disease before she started fasting. Doing intermittent fasting for all these months, went back to the doctor. Her fatty liver disease was completely reversed but she hadn't lost any weight. So it didn't show up on the scale, but clearly her body was was busy doing something, which is pretty exciting. Now there's another episode to look at. Oh, and by the way, I just wanted to say, imagine if Roxy had quit because she thought it wasn't working for her. Oh, this isn't working. I'm going to quit. She was clearing out a fatty liver. And so eventually she did go on to start losing pounds on the scale and she's gotten smaller. Her size has changed, but that episode just really always inspires me and her story. How much did she weigh? I don't remember the the weight exactly, but she was overweight. Okay. I'm just wondering if she was obese. I'm not sure exactly whether she was in the obese category or not, but she definitely had, you know, the fatty liver. And so, you know, having a fatty liver is it's not something you want. So, and here's another story that is, it's episode 50 and it's Renee and Joel, their mother's son. Renee is the mother. Joel is the son. And when they started intermittent fasting, they both started it at the same time. He did not lose a single pound for the first eight months of doing IF. But in the ninth month, the weight just started to fall right off. He didn't change a thing. Just boom, the weight started to go. And he lost the 20 pounds that he wanted to lose after eight months of losing nothing. So listen to those two stories. And the thing is, is that something is happening in the body. You know, what was going on in Joel's body? I don't know. Maybe his insulin was coming down. You know, like listening to this, you know, why we get sick. If he had hyperinsulinemia, you know, insulin is such a storage hormone. And it it may be all that was happening for eight months is his body's, you know, fasted insulin level, his level of circulating insulin that goes around all the time was going down, 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 down. Then when it got to a certain point, bam, he was able to lose the weight he wanted to lose. That 20 pounds dropped off so quickly after nothing. That's like Gary Tobbs' theory about the insulin threshold. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I totally believe that could be a factor. And, you know, for Roxy, fatty liver, fatty liver, fatty liver, bam, all of a sudden she started losing the weight. So, Something good is happening in the body when you're doing intermittent fasting, and you can't always see it. So there was that. She doesn't say what window she's doing, does she? Well, she said that at minimum of 16 and sometimes 20 to 21. Here's what I've noticed from years in the intermittent fasting community. When people would say, I always do at least, you know, whatever, and sometimes I do this. If they start tracking their fasts on an app, they realize that they might skew a lot more to the 16 and less to the 20 than they thought. That's just something to keep in mind. If your fasts are usually 16, 16, 16, 16, every now and then you do a 20 or 21, 
you're likely not getting into that peak fat burning that starts to ramp up around hour 18. You know, just pushing it to 19 consistently instead of 16 consistently could make a difference. Just something to consider. Try an app and see what you're doing. Because for me, I needed a consistent 19 to really get that fat burning in and to lose the weight that I wanted to lose. Yes. Yeah, I guess for me, so I think it's very telling for Carrie. Well, first of all, Carrie, I really, really identify with you and I can see why you feel like our stories are really similar because for listeners who are not familiar, a lot of my health issues started with GI distress and like SIBO and antibiotics and just feeling like my gut got off after this catalyzing incident and um, (laughs) just being a a rocky road ever since then. So I completely identify and I know what this is like for so many people. And this isn't even about the weight loss. This is about like the health issues that she was experiencing. Like you just, you know, something's off and you just want to find answers and you try all the things like Carrie has done. So parasites and heavy metals and herbs and cleanses and going after this liver virus and antibiotics and just trying all these different things. I know that it's it's very scary and it can feel very disheartening. So I'm completely there with you. For me, what happened, I kind of hit burnout with all of it. Like I, I hit a point where I was like, I don't care. Like I'm not testing anymore. I'm not gonna like try to fix whatever the specific, thing is through a specific supplement or through a specific thing. And I don't know that that mindset is the the ideal mindset to be in either, but the takeaway that I learned from all of that and where I am now, it's really easy to get caught up in the minutia and try to go after these specific things that you think might be in you or that might be off. When I think if you just step back and breathe and take a more holistic approach that's foundationally based on diet and food, I think there's massive, massive potential there. You can be doing all these things, but if you're taking in food that is not supporting your gut microbiome and it's contributing to these issues, that's difficult to address. And then on top of that, there's so much potential that can be gained when you are eating a diet that's really, really supporting your body and helping address that. All of that said, so as far as like where to focus and like where the answer is, there might be things that you really, really do need to focus on and address. So like for me, the the heavy metals was really bad for me. Like my blood levels of mercury were over 30, which is just shocking. So that was something I did need to address. For me, I do have to keep monitoring my anemia, for example. Like that's not something I can just be like, oh, I'll just eat food and be okay. Like, no, I actually, I use Inside Tracker and I stay on top of my ferritin and my iron because that mine has a tendency to drop. So there are things that are important to focus on and keep in mind, but I think maybe getting out of the detox mindset and entering a like a healing diet food mindset can't be understated. I also empathize as well. Carrie has this mindset of the perfectionism mindset. So she's worried that, I'm going to say it again. She says, I'm not perfect with my diet, partly because I know it's not sustainable. And if I try and fail, I will just say no. So that's really hard to navigate because I as well, I'm a perfectionist and an all or none person. And I know it's very easy. It's a slippery slope where some people respond to not being perfect with just throwing it all out the window, which is a really interesting mindset justification that we make that doesn't have to be. So you can still 
strive for perfect. And then if you're not perfect, that's okay. But if you're not perfect, it doesn't mean that you throw everything out the window and just lapse into, you know, rebelling against perfectionism. Like you can still strive for perfect, but things can be good. And it's interesting. I just finished Cynthia Thurlow's new book and she talks about this and she recommends a, I think she calls it a good, better, best mindset. So she says every single day is either a best day. So that would be like the equivalent of like quote perfect. So you ate all the foods you want to eat. You did the fasting the way you wanted to do it, et cetera. Then there's the the better day. So that's where like, you know, you were almost there, but some things were like a little bit off. And then there's the good days, which, you know, maybe more things are off, but either way, you're always making progress. So I would really suggest that mindset, Carrie, applying that to your diet. So striving for those best days rather than saying, I'm not even going to try because I know you don't want to track and you don't want to be perfect, but it might be that you're not going to be able to make the progress that you want without addressing the actual food choices of your eating window. Intermittent fasting can be amazing, but for some people, it's not going to be enough to actually make the change. And we can tweak the window, we can fast more, but at some point, some people, you've just got to look at what you're eating. And you know, to me, that's so funny to hear you say that because her, what she described is what she eats sounds pretty great. It sounds very (laughs) cleanish. It's very much like the way I eat. And like she's she's eating meat, seafood, eggs, lots of veggies, salad with homemade dressing. She, it sounded like a pretty pretty great diet to me. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right. I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands. And it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. 
Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to melanieavalonscloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalonsCloset.com. Well, that's a thing. So I think like what it sounds like to me, like just looking at it, briefly, like skimming through the foods, like, oh, this is a good diet. And so I think maybe she's found a safety within that when kind of like you were saying, people, they think they're fasting a certain amount, but they're not quite. I think it might be the situation with the food. So like, she feels like it's healthy, but you know, the cheese, the fat, the processed food, if her insulin levels are high enough and her carb intake is enough such that she is sort of in a more of a storing mode, then you know, having the fats, the cheese, the things like that, they might be every time she's eating, adding in enough excess nutrition that she's not going to ever lose weight unless she gets a little bit more strict. That's why my tweaks recommended would address that exact thing would be try to delay the alcohol for a month. See what happens if you just avoid the alcohol and just push that window length a little bit. That would give you the same benefit, you know, lowering your insulin because you're fasting a little bit more. It seemed like a pretty good, you know, a balanced kind of a way because otherwise you're just like dieting hardcore. And so many of us don't want to diet hardcore. Okay, that's the mindset I'm trying to dismantle right now. Like, you know, because she's eating what she's eating, but she doesn't want to diet hardcore. Right. I don't think she needs to change what she's eating. She could substantially change what she's eating without it being dieting hardcore. See, I don't think she needs to substantially change what she's eating. I guess that's where we're having that disconnect. You know, she has occasional candy. She has, I eat tortilla chips. I eat occasional candy. She seems like she's eating a very good diet to me. I don't know. To change it up would seem hardcore to me. I think for some people, if they're eating fats and carbs in their meals, especially like cheese in there, butter in there, nuts in there, cheese, nuts, <laughs> things like that can easily be very weight promoting. And it might be that in order to lose the weight, it doesn't have to be crazy, but eating just whole foods. So no longer adding additional fats, like still eating your normal meats, but not adding the fats not adding nuts, not adding cheese, you might see massive, massive changes. 
And it doesn't have to be like counting calories and it doesn't have to be super intense, but just making some tweaks. And that's what I'm trying to dismantle. Like there's a lot of change she can make to her diet. That's not going to be crazy dieting. Doesn't have to seem like really restrictive, but it might make super, you know, huge changes pretty quickly. And it could also be a macros approach. So if you do want to keep in the fats, maybe trying low carb, there's different ways that you could try it but you could tweak it within a paradigm that is not super restrictive, not super crazy, but might be addressing the things that might be making it impossible. I think that probably a good majority of the people out there don't want to tweak by eating less fat or less carbs or like go low fat or go low carb. I think we just want to eat real food. Like I don't want to have a potato with no butter or butter with no potato. I want to have a potato with butter. and. The way that I and a lot of people are able to have the potato with the butter is by, you know, focusing on maybe a 19-hour daily fast instead of 16 and by being careful with, you know, how much alcohol and and things like that. And I mean, I, I know that some people are like really excited to try leaving out certain macros, but I think a lot of people really just don't want to do that. I don't know. Something to think about. She could certainly do whichever of those seems appealing to her. I mean, we've given her a lot of tools to pick from, I think. I don't want to make blanket statements because I don't know what the majority of people want. Can I be honest with something? Somebody in my community listened to last week's episode where we talked a lot about cheese and nuts and was a little salty about it. It was some feedback of feeling like we are telling people what to eat and what not to eat. And she said we. She wasn't talking about you. She was talking about me and you. A very interesting discussion ensued in the community. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. And a lot of people really don't want to count macros. They don't want to do the low fat. They don't want to do the low carb. They just want to eat food. What's interesting is I had some feedback as well, but it was the complete opposite. And this is why I think it's like, I'm just about telling people options and you find what works for you. People just (laughs) find what works for you. But like we had one listener write in, And she was saying that, I think she was talking about like the protein and the fruit. We made the suggestion about, you know, maybe trying to bring in other types of carbs because, you know, maybe you could have them. And then she reported back to me and she was like, nope, you know, that didn't work at all. Like, I think it's all very individual. And I think we see the world through the way we approach it. So like for me, I do better with macros and I do better being more, strict on what I'm eating. And some people are like that as well. I think you see through the lens of, you know, not like that. And my foundational thing though, is that I think people are so nervous about like falling into restrictive diety mindsets and they don't want to ever count calories. They don't want to ever track anything that sometimes it can be, we like to ignore the fact that certain foods are very likely weight promoting and make it harder to lose weight if they're in there. And that might just be, I don't like to ever say something is a reality, but approaching a reality. That's why I was trying to suggest like the good, better, best approach. And I just thought it was really interesting that she didn't even mention what she was eating. The email, I cut it down from, it was probably three times as long, but there wasn't any mention of the foods, which said to me that there wasn't a focus at all on the food. She probably feels like the food is a healthy approach. And so there's not much to tweak there. And I just think there's so much progress that can happen if things are tweaked. I am never trying to enforce 
or impose my beliefs on anybody. This is going to sound callous, but I really could care less what people do. Like, do what you want. I don't care. I just want to tell people what has worked for me and it may or may not work for you. But if things aren't resonating with people, I'm sorry, but it doesn't really bother me. Like, that does not bother me. Yeah, the feedback was that we were demonizing cheese and nuts. And I really don't think that we came across as demonizing cheese and nuts. We were just saying they're easy to overeat. But that's not us saying those are off the menu. I mean, (laughs) I eat cheese, I eat nuts, but I am mindful that I can easily overeat cheese, but I'm not overeating cheese right now. I know the way I've talked about cheese and nuts. I don't think I've demonized them. I have not intended to. I do think pretty objectively, they are foods that can be very weight promoting. And so it sounds like a defensive reaction because people want to keep it in. Well, I want to, yeah, I definitely want to keep cheese and nuts in my diet and I want to eat them. I just need to be mindful. And the same with like tortilla chips, you know, she, she eats tortilla chips. I eat tortilla chips, but I have to, you know, I'm, I mindfully eat them and I choose really high quality ones, you know. So like a simple concept of cheese is easily weight promoting. Again, I don't like to say anything black or white. I'm fairly certain that that's a pretty accurate statement. And so what you do with that is is up to you. So you know you can keep it in moderation, find the way that it works for you. It doesn't change the fact that it might be weight promoting if had an excess, which often happens. Right. I think that's often very key, you said in excess, and it's just hard to know. I mean, you're probably not going to have broccoli in excess, but it is a lot more likely to have cheese in excess, you know? So I just, I just wanted, to, wanted to point that out. Literally, listeners, do what you want. <laughs> like, do what you want. I just think it's funny because I think people, I know we're on like tangents, but I think sometimes people think that I have an agenda or I'm trying to convince people of anything. I'm really not. Like, do what you want. I'm just going to tell you what worked for me and what I've learned and what I think might help. Yes, I have no agenda. I do have an agenda. Do you know what it is? I want people to enjoy what they're eating without stressing about it. That is it. That is what, and I know you do too, but that is what Cleanish is all about, is figuring out what things you want to include. There's the ish. Like I know that you know, a tortilla chip fried in an oil that is one of those, you know, inflammatory oils is not great for my body, but I'm still going to include them in small amounts because I enjoy them. I'm not going to veer so far to perfection that I'm not enjoying the way I live. And you're not either, Melanie. You very much enjoy the way you live. But it's a matter of finding your own balance of what foods you enjoy that make you feel good. My friend Lori Lewis, she says it beautifully. She says, you want to love the foods that love you back. You know, you want to pick the foods that make you feel great and they're delicious. And you're balanced in a way that your weight ends up being at a stable level there where you feel comfortable. And sometimes you do have to make some, you know, like that period of time where I didn't drink alcohol and I didn't have those tortilla chips or other ultra processed foods for 10 weeks. This was in the spring of 2015. So, you know, would you say that I was dieting? All right, maybe so. I was not having certain things because my goal was to lose weight more quickly. And I still ate a lot of good things. I had plenty of fats and carbs together, (laughs) but I just didn't have alcohol or ultra processed foods. Potato with butter, yes. Tortilla chips, no. And I lost weight the most quickly I ever lost, you know, two pounds a week and then kept it all off. You know, that was that kind of a thing. 
but it was delicious and I enjoyed it. So my agenda, and I think Melanie's too, is for you to find a way to get the results you're looking for while loving the journey. Yes, exactly. This is kind of what you just said, but like it might be for certain people with certain goals that you do have to do some sort of tweak. There's the delay, delay, delay the the extra cheese that whenever you eat it, you don't lose weight. You know, whatever it is. For me, it was delaying the alcohol. And so someone might say, Jen is anti-alcohol. No, I'm not. I wish I could enjoy it more. My body tells me, nope, that's too much for you. I have to have a little bit. But I'm certainly not anti. I just know that for me, that is a big, big factor. So I'm always going to suggest that that might be something to look at. I'll just read really quickly her next question. She says, I'm sure there will be more supplements introduced to me through future episodes as I catch up. Based on my situation, do you have any you really recommend for me? Obviously, you're not doctors. I get that. Based on anecdotal evidence, are there any that you recommend? Again, like, so this was from her original email, which did not mention anything about food. And again, it was this vibe I got of looking for the answer, like in a supplement rather than the foundation of diet. Yeah, I don't think there's any any supplement out there that you can take that is like the reason you're not losing weight that I can just blanket say is everybody's reason. Like, you know, maybe let's say your thyroid is all messed up. A thyroid medication or thyroid support is obviously going to be, you know, transformational for your body. But that doesn't mean everybody needs to go take thyroid medicine, right? Or a thyroid supplement. So there's nothing we can blanket say, here's what you need to help the weight loss happen. I will say one I do like in general, that one that I do take every day though, but this is not to lose weight, but to help with insulin sensitivity and stuff like that is I do take berberine every day. But there's not some sort of magical supplement that is going to make you lose weight. And then her last thing, she says, tips, advice, or anything I may not have thought of. I wish you both a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Much love, Carrie. So keep us updated with how your journey goes. And I will say, I really, really like her mindset. Like, despite all of this, she said multiple times, she said things like how she, like, I'm paraphrasing, but something about how, you know, she doesn't know why she's going through this, but she knows there's a reason. And She's not giving up hope and we're right there with you. <laughs> like, like your mindset is really, really wonderful. And I know you'll find answers. And I do want you to know that I have definitely been there with the everything just feeling like it fell off the wagon health-wise and not knowing what to do. So um, I applaud you for really taking agency and trying to find answers because a lot of people don't. <laughs> and so, yeah, you'll find it. I did have one more thing I wanted to pop in there, and it was me circling back to the fact that she did the Zoe program. And I really think if you've got all that data from Zoe, that could really help you figure out your diet without trying to be perfect about it. Because again, Zoe doesn't expect you to be perfect. You're not trying to get 100 on your score. And so like if you put the meat in and it takes you down to a 70, you might be like, oh, this is terrible. But actually, it's not. That 70 is not a terrible score. So you may want to listen to episode 170 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. I interviewed Christy Osborne. She's also really active in the Delay Don't Deny community. For anyone who's looking for that, you can go to jenstevens.com slash community. Christy's story is pretty amazing. She was also having a really hard time losing weight, loved intermittent fasting and how she felt. But once she really embraced Zoe, and she doesn't like tracking either, (laughs) you know, she's not like, you know, loving, loving the tracking part or trying to be perfect with Zoe, but it absolutely changed everything. 
So I just wanted to pop that in there. She finally lost a lot of weight, right? And she's actually in the community and she is part of the, we have a little Zoe space in the Delay Don't Deny community where people can come and talk about their experiences. And she really does a great job guiding people how to make the most of it without letting it make you crazy. Because if you look at it through the lens of perfectionism and like it's a diet that's telling you what you have to eat and what you can't eat, that would be, you know, very like that diet brain kind of thing going on instead of like, oh, look, my avocado toast score is higher with more avocado than, you know, adding an extra egg or something. It just might surprise you how to tweak those food combinations to get a higher score for you. Yeah. And and actually to that point, the mindset that's worked well for me. So like if you are addressing the types of foods that you're eating, focusing on like unlimited of certain types of foods rather than like, oh, I can't have this. I can't have that. Being like, oh, I can have unlimited of all of these foods. And then (laughs) that's just so the opposite of the way I could be. If I told myself I could have unlimited of anything, I just don't do well with that approach. Within the certain macronutrient that I'm following. I know, but I'm just saying that it's just so interesting how our minds, like the way that we, and I'm trying to explain how to put it. I don't know. I am just, I could overeat something if I told myself it's unlimited. Okay, I'm sorry. Even if it was within like a intense, like macro nutrient. So like unlimited within a low carb world or unlimited within a low fat world. I'm pretty sure I did overeat when I was unlimited in the low carb world because I never lost any weight. I guess I do high protein, low fat. It's so funny. I have turned so many people onto this. I'm really starting to think if this should be my next book. High protein, low fat. Is that what you said? Yeah, but lean meats and fruit specifically. For me, and this is what I've been doing for years, is like unlimited lean protein, unlimited cucumbers, unlimited fruit, all I want. It's just a setup where because of the metabolism of those macronutrients, especially within a fasted window, it's very unlikely you'll gain weight. And um, if anything, you might lose weight. I just know that the one reason I never did Weight Watchers is they have, you know, those zero point foods. I'm pretty sure I would be overeating the zero point foods. I'd be gaming that system and probably gaining weight. (laughs) I don't know. I just that I just know my own mindset. I do much better focusing on satiety, stopping, you know, listening to those hunger cues instead of telling myself this one's unlimited. I don't know. Yeah. Which I guess the foods I focus on, like protein is like the highest for satiety. So it's like a double whammy. But yeah. People view the world all different ways. It is. And you know, just like we were naming foods whether we liked them or not. And we were like the opposite on all of them. Oh, Jen and I, yeah, we. <laughs> I can tell you every food Jen won't like or will like based on if I like it or not. Probably for a lot of them. Does Jen like cucumbers? You don't like cucumbers? No. Okay. Do you like lima beans? I love lima beans. I can't stand lima beans. If you told me I could just have unlimited lima beans, I would just eat lima beans till I exploded. If there's one bean I can't, like lima beans. Or what about hazelnuts? I like hazelnuts. They're so good. I don't like hazelnuts or oranges. I love oranges. I love most foods though. That's the thing. Like there are very few foods I don't like. There's really very few foods I don't like. What do you not like? I don't like cucumbers. Well, and when I start listing them, I don't like anything that you're going to have on sushi. Let me put it that way. When I was in Tampa. Ginger? Well, I like ginger. Okay. I like ginger. I like ginger. I like wasabi. 
I like the sauces, but everything they roll up, I mean, I like rice, but anything else practically that they're going to roll up in there, like I don't like the cucumber and they all have cucumber. I don't like fish. They all have fish. Love fish. <sighs> anyway, it's like the one restaurant I do not want to go to you with is a sushi restaurant because I have a hard time <laughs> finding anything I want. It's so funny. What is the one food you dislike the most? I, oh, I don't like oysters. I don't like any kind of fish and I don't like oysters. But mine is probably oranges. I love oranges. You do not like oranges that much? They give me a raging headache. Oh, no, I love them. If I'm ever sick, I start to crave orange juice and it always makes me feel better. Like I need the pulpy kind. Pulpy orange juice, love it. Oranges and grapefruits. I like grapefruits. I think I have a like a reaction to some compound. To citrus. I love um, lime and lemon. There's something in orange that just... That's so interesting. You're not a huge watermelon fan, right? Oh, I hate it. It's gross. And I don't like any kind of melon. And see, I think cucumbers are kind of in that melony kind of... I don't like cucumber or any kind of melon. Like, I don't eat a fruit salad that has melon in it because it has infected the rest of the fruit with its grossness. (laughs) Oh, the best, because I'm a fruit lover, and out of the fruits, all of the melons. I like pineapple. I like oranges. I like strawberries. I like any kind of berry. I like berries. I'll eat an apple if it's in a pie. It's so funny. It really is. It is so funny. All right. Well... This was a fun time. So for listeners, if you'd like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go at ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. These show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 248. Definitely follow us on Instagram because we just got actually a new fabulous woman who is going to be helping us with our Instagram. Shout out to Shannon. So we're going to start posting and interacting there more. Oh, and in case you're wondering, it's not like just Shannon. I'm like, I am very much, Jen and I are both, we see it and I'm there. Like when I go onto my Instagram on my phone, like I have, I'm, I'm there. Didn't want to think that we're like outsourcing it. So definitely follow us on Instagram. I have podcast. I am Melanie Avalon on Instagram. Jen is Jen Stevens. And I think that is all the things. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. All right. Well, this was absolutely wonderful. And I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.